Okay, so hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of Default Global. This is where we connect with global first entrepreneurs and remote work experts from all around the world to share their experiences. Our guest today is Alice Berger, uh, Director of Engineering and Thesis. Alice, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Sure. And I guess to kick things off, Alice, could you please share with our listeners uh, a bit more about your journey in the tech industry, maybe highlighting some, I don't know, significant milestones from your impressive career? Sure, sure. Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, I have worked across uh, so many industries at this point. Um, really, really diverse uh, ones, everything from the banking world to the adult industry to um, running a creative agency in Los Angeles um, to working at, um, you know, uh, well-funded startups. And uh, I landed um, in the nonprofit world for a little while. Um, and uh, yeah, now I'm uh, at Thesis, uh, which is an accelerator. Um, uh, we build all kinds of companies. Um, so I've had a chance to work uh, with some really talented folks all over the world um, throughout my career. Uh, so I've, I've actually mostly done remote management and building of teams and, and remote work um, uh, since day one. Uh, so super familiar <laughs> with the platform and the concept. Okay, sounds good. So uh, maybe let's dive into Thesis, right? From what I uh, gather, Thesis is a crypto venture studio with a mission to uh, empower individuals in the cryptocurrency and digitalized space, right? So could you maybe give us a deeper insights into the company's business model projects and your role in this in this in this company? Sure, absolutely. Uh, just for for legal purposes, I want to say that I I speak for myself uh, and not necessarily for thesis. Uh, my opinions uh, uh, in this regard. So, um, but um, uh, thesis is a wonderful place. Um, it uh, basically we we do a lot of crypto based um, ventures, but we also do non crypto space stuff too. Um, Right now, we're working on a uh, period tracking app that's privacy first. Uh, that's a really cool um, project. Uh, so we we uh, basically uh, fund and build creative uh, and financial products that um, are geared towards public good, essentially, in one way or another. Um, and... Uh, we work with folks all over the world. A significant amount of our team is based in Poland. Um, we have, uh, but we have folks across the U.S. Um, um, and across Europe, um, and in South America as well. Uh, so uh, we have a really diverse team, uh, and uh, it's been amazing getting to work with uh, people from sort of all walks of life. And um, and. Yeah, uh, we really focus strongly on an asynchronous culture. Uh, so that's one where documentation is super important um, because everybody's on a different time zone. We wanna make sure that uh, we don't lose anything in terms of communication. Um, so yeah, that's that pretty much sums it up, I hope. <laughs> okay, okay. And speaking about that, speaking about culture, right? And remote work, uh, this is a fully remote company, global first company, right? Could you, right. Uh, maybe, could you share some insights into how Thesis has built and maintained a global first culture within the company? 
Totally. So I think one primary thing that um, I really like to focus on in hiring is, is obviously not to lead with a preference to one country or another um, to really like uh, maintain an equitable hiring process that is visible to people and folks in, in all countries, um, as well as, you know, maintain uh, the highest level of pay uh, you know, we can for those individuals, regardless of uh, the economic location um, and uh, sort of situation. So um, I really believe strongly in, in, and I'll speak for myself, but I really believe strongly in, in, in not taking advantage of uh, quote unquote cheap labor, um, you know, and making sure that folks really get paid um, uh, to the highest amount that they can across, across the world, um, you know, meeting the standards for uh, um, you know, the rest of the team. Um, so I think that's a really important and impactful piece. Um, I also think that, uh, you know, communication and, and being able to communicate asynchronously is a lot more difficult than a lot of people think. Um, you know, being able to convey empathy and emotion through text can be difficult. Um, so there are a lot of strategies that we use to, to do that. Um, and I think, um, you know, one of those strategies is to um, essentially make sure that you're highlighting your your main points uh, and then adding context. Uh, so not overwhelming people with a huge wall of 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 information uh, that they can kind of get lost in, but but taking a breather and making sure that you sort of break the information down in a digestible way um, and obviously leading with empathy uh, and the fact that, you know, we're communicating across different cultures, across uh, different experiences, different life experiences. Um, so those kinds of things we really value. That sounds good. And you mentioned that the majority of your engineering team is based in Poland, right? So with that, with that in mind, any specific challenges you have faced and maybe overcome uh, in terms of, yeah, you mentioned communication, that, that's clear, but maybe any specific challenge in terms of culture uh, or anything like that, can you talk more about it? I think um, there are some interesting differences in terms of, um, I think as an American myself, uh, you know, Americans tend to uh, sort of live in a bubble, I think, compared to the rest of the world in terms of almost like a, uh, there's almost a thought process that, uh, oh, our way of doing things is is the only way. And uh, like this assumption that, um, you know, uh, uh, our culture and practices are um, normal, you know, and everyone else falls outside of the norm or something. Uh, and I think it's really important to check that, um, uh, to check that, um, you know, sort of perspective. And I know that for myself, I've had to do that throughout the years. Um, especially in regards to sort of this, you could call it like a career ladder. Um, and I think, I think one of the sort of very like, uh, maybe like uh, American ideals perhaps. And I don't know if I'm, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll speak from my own experience here uh, just to make sure I don't, you know, step on anyone's toes. But um, I think sure. in my experience, uh, there's kind of this drive to, um, you know, work your way up the career ladder in these different ways. And a lot of folks are actually just like, I want to come to work 
and I want to do a great job as an engineer. And I'm actually happy with that position. And I'm not trying to vie for, you know, a managerial role. And I think it's important to recognize also that, you know, there's a huge difference between managing people and, uh, you know, work as a principal engineer. So um, those paths are different and also both incredibly necessary, but very different work. Um, and so recognizing the importance and also um, offering those uh, avenues for people, I think is really important, um, regardless of, of what part of the world you're in. And when it comes to building distributed teams, global teams, right? So what tactics and principles have you found effective in your career, especially in the context maybe of your existing role, current role? Can you talk more about it? Sure. Um, I think uh, leading with empathy obviously is, is, is really important. Um, I like to focus on hiring good communicators, um, people that uh, don't just have the engineering talent, um, but also can um, can express themselves in a way that uh, is effective. Um, and uh, I think in terms of management strategy, I try to build, a, let's say, like a non-brittle framework for engineering. I think there's a lot of real sticklers for you know, certain agile processes or, um, you know, certain processes that, that really are, are very rigid. And I often find that each team works differently. Um, each team is effective in different ways of working. Um, so I like to build a very loose framework that um, adapts to the team uh, and the way that they work together. Um, and sometimes that manifests in, in interesting ways like a we communicate mostly in English uh, at our organization, but there are drawbacks to that where an engineer might not feel entirely comfortable in uh, a code review um, expressing themselves in English, right? So we need to account for that and we need to prioritize the fact that, that um, you know, we, we need to make sure that, that they're able to communicate uh, in a way that's comfortable for them and they can express themselves. So we try to make accommodations for that as much as we can. Um, so I, I think those are, those are a couple pieces of strategy, I guess, that, that have worked for me. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And if we're talking about more maybe on tactical level, right? Uh, could you walk us through your approach on, to hiring talent in different countries, right? You mentioned, yeah, you have a team in Poland. And how did you do that? How did you hire them, those guys? Did you hire them through agency or you just, uh, you know, uh, hired some recruitment agency, recruitment uh, or outsourcing agency? Can you talk more? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so uh, there's a couple of different strategies that we use. Um, we do work with recruiters, but um, I think the most effective way I've seen is actually through uh, all, almost all of our projects are open source, uh, which means we have a ton of contributors from all over the world. Uh, and we actually like to go and talk to those contributors who are interested in the projects on their own accord. Um, and, you know, we're really interested also in, in, in building global community, um, and open source is a great way to do that. So, um, 
we start there a lot of times with folks that are already contributing to the to the product because a we know they can do the work well and and b you know they're passionate about about what we do so um you know really um those are two pretty difficult things to find in a hiring process usually so uh once you pass that barrier it's really mostly about communication and culture and um uh that's kind of an amazing leg up, I think, uh, in terms of being an open source organization. And maybe you have some sort of checklist. Uh, what is your checklist for ensuring us the smooth international hiring process? And what, what challenges have you encountered along the way? Sure, sure. So I've been through a few different organizations at this point in my career over the past you know, um, decade. And uh, they've each had pretty different hiring processes, but I've settled on one that's relatively simple. I think, one, it's important to respect people's time um, and to not have, you know, a hundred meetings before, <laughs> before you make them an offer. But also, of course, you want quality um, uh, information about how that person communicates. And so... Um, the essential process that we use is uh, an initial screen where um, an individual or myself or someone will hop on a call and we'll just chat, chat a little bit about the experience that they've had and, um, you know, why they might be interested in the role. Really just a, almost like a vibe check just to see, you know, um, what kind of communicator they are. A lot of things I look for are, um, you know, there are a lot of folks in the industry who kind of have this uh, I'm the smartest person in the room kind of energy, you know, and, and that's a huge red flag for us because, because we like to, um, we really like to share information and, and, and come to the table with uh, we're all learning. Um, and uh, I think that's an attitude we look for. Um, one of like learning and sharing knowledge as well. Um and then we get to a coding uh, challenge. And I actually um, have gone back and forth on a couple different methods of coding challenge. One of them has been um, uh, sort of give me whatever you got, uh, make something cool, uh, leave it up to them creatively. Uh, and that's produced some pretty interesting and telling results, um, I think. Uh, but I, I also have leaned towards um, replicating the work in the biggest way possible. A lot of coding challenges are, you know, reverse this binary tree or whiteboarding uh, sort of exercises. Um, I remember I had a, um, an interview at eBay that was uh, uh, back in the day that was that was very much like that, and I, I was so turned off by the interview that I, I was like, you know, never mind. <laughs> But uh, the, um, yeah, so as close to the work as possible, I think, uh, is, is critical. Um, so, you know, uh, that might be contribute to a feature uh, on an open source project that we have or, um, you know, uh, correct some code or, or, or something like that. But the really important part then afterwards is returning and communicating with them about what they did. So they run through the code with us. Um, I've added this extra step 
recently, which is to give feedback and then to watch how they absorb that feedback and make changes after that, um, which is really interesting because a lot of folks have trouble receiving feedback. Um, so that's something we look for as well. Yeah, and that's exactly what we're doing at, at GoGlobby as well. So we interview thousands of engineers every day and, you know, for, for our clients. And basically, and I'm just curious to hear your opinion on this, one of the biggest uh, challenge for for our clients, mostly for CTO, right? Uh, they, they, they just do not want those guys to use AI, you know, things. Uh, with those home assignment stuff. And, and in fact, there are two groups. On, on the one hand, we have those CTOs, those VP of engineering who are okay with that and just say, yeah, I mean, whatever. If, if they, if it helps, let them use this AI thing, ChatGPT or whatever. And there's another group. And at this point, I guess, 80% of CTOs are not really, you know, uh, interested in guys who are just using uh, ChatGPT for those home assignment stuff. And I'm just curious to hear your opinion on this. What do you think about it? I, as someone who has had no uh, formal education uh, in engineering, I, I actually went to school for art, uh, for painting and sculpture. So I, um, I really just uh, delved into it myself um, over the years and uh, one thing I feel like I, I learned, especially from running a creative agency, is that the real world work is about solving problems um, and solving them effectively. So I think whatever tools you can use to solve those problems, I think you should use if they're effective. Um, the point to where they become ineffective for solving problems is when you can't explain why they're successful or why they're doing what they're doing, which is why the step of walking through the code um, and walking through the syntax and explaining uh, what's going on is more important to me than if you wrote the code by hand or or not, right? Um, I really believe in, you know, I, I felt like for so many years of my career that my job was Googling, right? Was just, <laughs> just looking things up. And I can't tell you how many times I've looked things up that I, I should know by now, you know, like this, this type of algorithm, this type of function, you know, I've probably done it a hundred times, but I Google it anyway, just to refresh my memory, just to, just to check against those things. And, and I think, I think that's closer to the work than actually, you know, doing it all yourself and, uh, and, in, in, in whatever that means. I think that's a false dichotomy, um, you know, so. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And probably my, my last question, um, as I told you, we have really a huge network of tech talent around 10K uh, in Latam and in Europe. And many of those guys, uh, they're looking for this next move in terms of their career, right? So what advice do you have for them in terms of uh, breaking to this market and securing positions in global companies like Thesis, for example? Yeah, um, I would say, one, it's really hard uh, out there. And um, just sending resumes uh, to, to folks doesn't do it anymore. Um, it, there's too much. There's too many people applying. There's too many. Just the amount of resumes one gets from, from posting on 
LinkedIn or, or, or wherever uh, is overwhelming. Um, and to be honest, you know, a physical, a physically, I, I, there's no way for me to look at them all. It would take too much time. We'd never hire anyone. Um, so uh, I'd say find personal connections or use personal connections as much as possible. Um, that's probably the quickest way in. And I know that that, that can, that can often be sort of a privileged position to take because, uh, you know, a lot of folks don't have any personal connections, uh, and, but they still want to break into the, to the, to the scene, to the world. So putting yourself out there in any kind of personal way that you can, in any kind of way that, that, that shows your passion and shows like who you are as a person, putting a face to the name, I think is so important and really can get your foot in the door in a big way. Um, I also think that uh, choosing something you're genuinely passionate about um, shows through a lot. Um, telling a story. Uh, I think telling a story is critical. Um, it's been really important in my career to show a trajectory and to link that to a narrative uh, in order for people to understand where you're coming from and where you hope to go. Um, you know, if you've just, and I've bounced around to a lot of different, a lot of different, um, you know, uh, kinds of work, a lot of different, um, verticals, but I also have a pretty good narrative about how I went through those things and why, and what led to those decisions. Um, and I think that's really important. Okay, I guess we're good. Uh, thanks, Alice, for sharing your insights on international hiring, on remote first culture thesis, uh, on the challenges and obstacles of hiring globally. Yeah, so we wish you and thesis all the best in your journey. We appreciate your time very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.